Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. I feel like we sacrificed a lot of people to the Great Cup today. But that doesn't change the message that we have to hear or those of us that get to hear it. Um, so let's stand and sing together. We're going to start with Hear the Call of the Kingdom. Shield of faith and belt of truth. 
songs based on missions, based on the fact that Scott was going to be here, and, um, but I think that Pastor Glenn didn't tell you us what your theme is, but it kind of goes with God's word as well, and the two are tied together, and I think there's so much rich words in that last song that we just sang, and it kind of leads into this one, which is facing his task unfinished. We've done it before, but it might be slightly new to some of you, but the tune is an old familiar one. solemn pledge we owe thee to go 
your bulletin and we'll read the call to worship together. It's from Psalm 103 verses 1a and verse 11. Let's read together. Let all that I am praise the Lord for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. If you would like to bow with me, let's pray as we continue to worship. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the sunny day and the nice weather. We thank you that we can meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ and hear from your word. And we thank you that we can do that in peace and security. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who can't do that because of persecution or uncertainty of war or just the danger of meeting together. We pray that you would be with them and encourage them. And we thank you that we can hear from your word this morning. We ask that you guide us in our worship of you. And for Jesus' name, we give thanks. Amen. Natasha, if you would like to come do our scripture reading. The scripture reading is Second Peter. 1, 1 to 11. Second Peter, 1, 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
To those who through this the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to conform, confirm your calling and election for for if you do these, you will never stumble, and you will be, receive a rich welcome to the internal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to be here with you today. And uh, like you said, maybe some got the gray cup fever or whatever, but if the riders were playing, that would make it a whole lot better. But they didn't even get close this year. So, But it's a privilege for me to come and share with you today. And uh, I'm not sharing anything on missions, but the songs were great. I, I really appreciate the, the Gettys music and stuff like that. It's very solid stuff. And but today I want to share on, on God's Word and how it can shape our lives. We're fast approaching the Christmas season. We've got snow that, that came in fast and hard. And, um, but as we go into Christmas, it's so easy to get caught up in the trappings that the world throws at us with everything that they think Christmas is all about. And if we're not careful, it's easy to take our eyes off of what Christmas is really all about, and that's Jesus. He's the reason that we celebrate Christmas. He's the one who gives us every breath that we breathe so that we can do what we can do. He is our hope, our joy, our peace, our salvation. He is our God who is always present. And he must be at the center of everything that we do regardless of the season that we're in. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And as we serve him, God's word is, is such a huge part of that. His word is powerful. It changes lives. It gives us strength, hope, peace, joy. It sets captives free. God's word is living and active. 
When I became a new believer in Christ, I was encouraged to get into God's word. Make it a part of your life. Be consistent. And trust it. And to intentionally apply it to my life. God's word transforms life and it will continue to do so until we draw our last breath. I quickly saw how God's word was living and active in my own life. I found out that I could be set free from sin and temptation as a new believer in Christ. This word is a gift to us. It's a gift. God's word, when it's hidden in our hearts and in our minds, it tells us who God is and what he can do in your life and mine. And it's nothing short of amazing. A.W. Tozer made this comment. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll read it again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And that will define our lives on who we think God is and what he can do. So how do we guard ourselves in having the right information in our hearts and minds? Is he still the same God who created the heavens and the earth? Is he still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does he still reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Or is he fickle and he has favorites? Does he love others more than me or you? And as we go through life, the good times, the tough times, the ordinary times, what is our first thought on who God is? Is God faithful to his word? And I want to stand before you today to say, yes, he is. And I want to quickly touch on two passages that became life to me as a new believer. These passages spoke so clearly. They breathed hope and peace into me and brought a joy as I hid his word in my heart. It, it came alive to me like I never knew was possible. The Holy Spirit gave me strength and understanding. He gave me the power and the ability to say no to sin and temptation. I experienced a freedom that I didn't even know was possible before I knew Christ. We can enjoy the abundant life that is in Jesus. That he says is ours to have. And just so you know, God's word has changed my life dramatically, but I'm far from perfect yet. But we know the one who is perfect. And we need to trust him and trust his word. The first scripture I want to share from is 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That last part was key to me. Taking every thought captive because prior to knowing Christ, my thought life was out of control. And this scripture breathed life into me. And what, another one that tied right into that and very similar in many ways is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, 
he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. As a brand new believer, when thoughts started coming into my mind, I began, I, I, I referenced these two scriptures. I would either worship in new songs that I was learning at church. I would pray. I would quote some scripture. And God took those thoughts away. He was amazing. I never knew that was possible. Because these scriptures that I just read, they're amazing promises. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. We have to know that these are ours to live by. I made them mine. I said, these are mine when I found them. Temptation is very real. But God promises to give us a way out every time as we trust him. Before sin becomes a reality, the Holy Spirit will provide a way out as we follow him, as we listen to him. Temptation happens to all of us. None of us are exempt. Even Jesus was tempted. And yet he was without sin. God will always provide us a path out. But we have to choose to walk in that path that he provides. And his word shows us every time. In Galatians 5, 24 and 25, it just goes along with the, how the Holy Spirit works within our hearts and within our lives. And it's right after the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. It's mean we're born again. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Walk according to His Word. And He was the one who made these promises come alive to me. And when I kept in step with Him and His Word, He gave me victory every time. These passages impacted my, way, my life in ways that I couldn't imagine. I was in awe of who God is and what he could do. These passages became life verses to me because I believed that what God said would happen, would happen in my life also. And he proved himself faithful over and over, again and again, day after day. God's word showed me that Thoughts of temptation, when they come into our minds, must be taken immediately to the cross. There was no room for entertaining them, as I once did before Jesus became real to me. I saw the reality and power of the power of Scripture come to life and give me hope and freedom. I came to believe that God would always provide a way out of temptation, every time. I never doubted them. I did not have to crash and burn and then ask for forgiveness from sin. I experienced the power of God to set a prisoner free, and that was me. And in trusting God and choosing to walk in his path, he saved my life. He saved our marriage. And just last Sunday, we celebrated our 40th anniversary, and it's all because of him, because before him, we were even throwing the divorce word around. That's, we never would have made it this long. But God is amazing. And he has not changed. His word is alive. It speaks to us. We just have to listen to him. He wants us to walk in his ways. I want to go through that, that passage that we just read here a few minutes ago from 2 Peter 1, 1 to 11. Because this is another one of those life passages to me. It constantly encourages me. It excites me. 
And I hope that it does you too. As we look at verse 1, just the beginning, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice how Peter describes himself to those reading the letter. First and foremost, he is a servant. And then an apostle. He serves as he leads. And that's a good challenge for all of us who are in leadership. Not just in the church. Most of us are leaders in different ways, in different places, whether it's at home, in our places of work, wherever it may be, we're leaders. And I truly believe that if we will lead by serving first, others are going to take notice and wonder, what is it that, that makes us tick, that makes us to do what we do? In the second part of verse 1, it says, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. If we think that God has favorites, Peter totally destroys that thought with this verse. To those, he said, who have received a faith as precious as ours. The ESV says, who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Peter is saying that what he has is what you and I can have too. And it's precious. How often do we stop to consider how precious our faith is? Verse 2, I think, gives us some insight why some excel in their faith while others might tend to struggle at times. It says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. In abundance. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We need to know who God is. And that takes time. It takes relationship. God doesn't just download it when we say the sinner's prayer and we've got it for the rest of our lives. We need to spend time with Him. And when we spend time with Him and we gain knowledge and we apply it, anything is possible. But we have to be intentional in what we're doing. Peter begins this letter with challenging us to know who God is. And he closes his letter in 3.18 with the same emphasis. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. This knowledge that Peter says is ours, it only comes through a relationship with God. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. We want to know him in ways that and it seemed change our life that at one time it seemed impossible. But God has made the impossible possible when we walk in his ways. When we grow in our faith and in his grace and in his knowledge, it will directly affect that statement I mentioned from Tozer a few minutes ago. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If we think he'll let us down every time, we're not even going to him. Years ago, this is something I just thought of, there was a lady in our first church and she would pray for anybody over anything. And yet when she was diagnosed with cancer, she stayed at home and we asked the family, can we come and pray with her? And they said, no, we don't want to be disappointed. I'm thinking, but you're not even giving God a chance. You're not even asking. And that, that hurt because she would, do, she would pray for anybody. She would travel 
to go pray for people. And yet when it came time for her to receive prayer, they wouldn't let us. How does this knowledge about who God is, how do we get it into our hearts and into our minds? I think back to Peter, a servant who wants to know and live in all that God has made available to him and now to us. I just want to share a little bit about from King, what King David wrote in Psalm 119. I'm just going to three, read three verses. In verse 11, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And 133 says, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. God's word speaks to us. It's living and active, the writer of Hebrews says. And as we sit, and as we listen, as we spend time with God, we begin to contemplate and wonder how his word is going to work its way into us, but then also how is it going to work its way out of us. The Holy Spirit is working in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus said in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. We need to know that he will. When we see God do amazing things in our lives, there's an anticipation and an expectancy that builds within us as to what God will say and do next. So we make knowing God a priority and we listen because His Word is alive. We seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. I want to read verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. These two verses have never ceased to amaze me. And they excite me. You know, we look at Christmas and it's often a time when we're giving people different gifts and, you know, we look forward to doing that. Christmas is the season when we give, but think of what God has already given us. We need to stand in awe of what he has given us so that we can be who he created us to be. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You know, I think of, you know, his power. The power that created the heavens and the earth just by him speaking it into existence. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have, to have been there to see that happen. I think of the power that, that caused the Red Sea to part for the Israelite nation to walk through to freedom. I think of Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. 18 to 20, where it says, I pray that, you, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. God's power is beyond what we can even comprehend, and yet he wants to use it within our lives. I think of his power when I, I think of Isaiah 40, 25 to 26. And it says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who calls out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And sometimes you might think, but I haven't seen that in my life. Let's pause for a moment and just consider what Peter's saying to us. Is there anything in your life and mine that's too big for God to handle? Does he not know about it if something happens? He's already given us everything so that we can live the life, a life that will honor him. Life is not promised to be easy. But God has said he will give us what we need to live for him. And when we know Jesus and we realize how precious this faith of ours is, we begin to grasp and understand and then intentionally make application of his great and precious promises. His promises allow us to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's more than amazing. That's incredible. We don't become divine, but we're able to participate because of the grace of God. We can't do this in and of ourselves, but because God has given us His Spirit to live in us, anything is possible. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That witness is not only about sharing our faith, which we need to do, but living our lives as a powerful witness, day by day, visible for everybody to see, of all that God has done in us. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation and to live a life that represents and honors our amazing God. Colossians 1.10 says, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. There it is again, growing in the knowledge of God. And we grow in Him when we spend time with Him. As we look at verses 5 through 7, we're challenged. It says, make every effort. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. We can make every effort because God has already given us the power to be able to do so. Philippians 2.13 from the New Living Translation says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. 
It's an amazing promise. These attributes of the divine nature that, that I just read off, they're to be clearly seen in each of our lives. I like to call them God's family traits or family characteristics. These traits were all seen in Jesus, the one whom you and I are to imitate. In our own families, we often hear this phrase, you're so much like your mom or your dad. In the verses that we just read, we are to participate in the divine nature so that we become more and more like Jesus. Ephesians 4.24 says we are to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When you and I are born again, we become a, a child of God. We become co-heirs with Jesus Christ. He calls us to be his ambassadors to the world in which we live. To represent and to represent Jesus to the world that desperately needs a savior. What an amazing calling that God has placed on our lives. And as followers of Christ, we are all called. We're called to make every effort. We are called to live godly lives that point others to Jesus. Holy Spirit lives in us, making the impossible possible. We are to have a zeal and a passion within us to pursue everything that God has made possible for us to have through His divine power. Peter challenges us to make every effort. But he also ends his letter with the same emphasis in 3.14. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. My commentary said that spiritual growth is not a matter that Christians can treat lightly. It's a goal to which we need to give ourselves, body and soul, every day of our lives. We're to make every effort to add to our faith. Our faith is foundational to us. Or as Peter says it, he says it's a precious gift. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We're to make every effort to add to our faith goodness. And goodness is putting feet to our faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The ESV uses the word virtue, and both of these terms point to moral excellence. None of us here are going to be perfect, but we're always to aim for excellence in honoring God. Philippians 4.8 would say this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We're to add goodness to our lives because it goes into our feet and we live it out. And people see it. Make every effort to add to goodness knowledge. And this is a knowledge it's not just the knowledge that we gain by learning different things about different stuff, but it's the knowledge that enables us to understand and make application of God's will in our lives, a will that is eternal. And it's this knowledge that will lead to fruitful living. 
in the eternal kingdom of God. It says, make every effort to add to knowledge self-control. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit that allows us to stay out of the trap of temptation. God never leads us into temptation, but he empowers us to be able to say no from a distance instead of getting as close to it as we can. I had one guy come into my office once and he'd come out of a drug and alcohol rehab place and he was staying with a friend and cut knife and he said, every time I walk downtown, I walk by the bar, he said, I'm just so tempted to go in there and have a drink. I said, well then don't walk past the bar. There's other ways to come downtown. Don't walk by it. And next time he came in in my office, he said that was a huge difference. But usually we almost try to cuddle up to it to see how much we can stand. And God just wants us to stay away from it. We're to make every effort to add to self-control perseverance or endurance. Perseverance is the ability to endure and to finish the race that God has called us to run. Even when we're faced with trials, because we know that God is with us. He's not going to leave us. He's with us. We remain steadfast because we need to keep the big picture in view, that eternal picture. And Paul gives us a, an idea of his life in 2 Corinthians 6, 4-7. One person said one time, he said, boy, I wish I would have got saved like Paul did. And he said, yeah, but you want to live the life that Paul did? You know, because it was a challenging life. And Paul says here, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God. Life can be tough at times. And, we, and I know it's much easier to say we need to persevere when those times come, and I know it's easier to say than to do. But we need to persevere. Because God is with us, he's in us, he will lead us and guide us. And we can persevere just like Paul did. It says, make every effort to add to perseverance godliness. And this is a life that honors God. My commentary says, while God gives us the ability to become godly, it is our responsibility to use the power that he has made available to us and actually work at becoming people who please God in every phase of our lives. And that's a lifetime role. There's always going to be things we can improve on. We need to persevere at living a godly life, life because it's all about honoring Him. The last two characteristics in this passage point to love. It's interesting that Peter does this when you consider his conversation with Jesus in John 21 where Jesus takes Peter off for a walk and says to him three times, Do you love me, Peter? Because Peter had denied Jesus three times after he was arrested. But now Peter points out that we need to love. He says, Make every effort to add to godliness 
brotherly kindness. And this brotherly kindness is that phileo love. It's, it's a brotherly love. It's a love that we are to have for one another within the church. And then he steps it up and he says, make every effort to add to brotherly kindness love. This is the agape love that Jesus demonstrated throughout his whole life as he walked on the earth, as he went to the cross for you and me. He loved us even though there was no guarantee we would open up our lives to him. But he gave his life, he loved us. For God so loved the world. This is the highest love. A love that you and I are to live out visibly and, and selflessly. We are, we're not going to do it perfectly. But we need to aim for it. And make every effort to do our best. Colossians 3.14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Jesus commanded his disciples to agape love in John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This agape love is meant to be glue within the church to keep us together. Bind us together, Lord. Keep us tight. So how are we doing with these family characteristics? Like I said, we're never going to reach perfection this side of heaven. But our goal isn't perfection, but rather excellence. To give God our very best. To make every effort for the glory of God. In verses 8 and 9, Peter says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and he has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Having these family characteristics within our lives is something that we are to do and make every effort. And there's never going to be a time we can say, I did it. We come to church and say, I finished them, I'm good at it. We'll never do that. But we keep aiming to do it and we make every effort. God's bar is high, sometimes seemingly impossible. One guy told me once that 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, he said, how is that even possible? It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Peter wants each of these traits that we've gone through to be increasing in our hearts and lives. Which means we continue until our last breath to make every effort. Peter says that when these family characteristics are increasing, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And nobody here wants those words ineffective and unproductive to define your life. We don't want that. We make every effort because we have experienced God's amazing agape love in our own lives. Jesus went to the cross for us. He shed his blood for us. He was crucified for us. 
And his blood has washed away our sins. When we open up our hearts to him and receive him as Lord and Savior. Paul says in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. It's not just a future thing. Yes, it'll become absolutely real when we're there, but right now that's where our citizenship is. And that's why we need to keep eternity in sight and not just think it's a long ways off. This is why we make every effort to do our very best for God. In 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we pr press into our relationship with God, when we make every effort, we will never be ineffective or unproductive, nearsighted or blind. And we show ourselves to be eager to make our calling and election sure, knowing that we will never fall and that we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our hope is real. It's eternal. And it's worth making every effort every day. As I close... I want each of us to know that the benefits that God has given to us for this life, they're amazing when we're born again. And we're intentionally seeking after Him. And we want these characteristics lived out in our lives. But I don't want us to forget the other side of the coin that I believe Peter's showing us here right at the end too. I don't want to be nearsighted and blind and have forgotten that have been cleansed from my past sins. I don't believe that Peter's talking about fake Christians here. Because how does one forget unless they have been cleansed from their past sins? Peter says if you do these things, do what he's asked us to do. If we make every effort, you will never fall. God has given us and blessed us beyond what we could possibly possibly beyond what we could have ever asked it's done and my goal today is to remind you of God's precious promises for our lives that his word transforms us powerfully he makes the impossible possible and i just want to close with verse 3 thinking about giving at christmas and think about what God has done for us. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through a knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. He's given us everything. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You that You are an awesome and an amazing God who Your love for us is is beyond what we can even possibly, probably even begin to imagine, the complete depths of it. But Lord, we, we see it in Scripture. We see Jesus going to the cross for us. We see him battling even at the end. He says, Father, if there's any other way, yet not my will, but yours be done. 
gave his very best for us. He gave us the ability to be set free. Not sinless, not perfect, not this side of heaven, but to where we can live a life that honors him when we make every effort. So God, help us to, to look at your word and read your word and say, God, how do you want to apply that to my life? How does that work in my life right now today? Help us, O oh God, to know that that's what it's meant to do so that we become more like Jesus with every passing day. So thank you, Lord, for your spirit that lives and dwells within us. We are not doing this on our own. You are in us. You will lead us and guide us. Thank you, Lord, for the, your great and precious promises. Thank you for your amazing love. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I think that one of the verses that you used um, from Second Peter 1 goes so great with the next song that we're going to sing. It's His Mercy is More, and it says... Um, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So let's stand and sing together, um, His Mercy is More, which kind of nails in what you just told us, which is awesome. Life was the cost we stood. 
Thank you for your singing. 